a lot of people, they have all these pieces on the ground. They don't know what they believe anymore. And I like the idea of like sifting through and just trying to find new ideas and trying to figure out what you do think. We know what we don't believe, but what do we believe? And that is a question from lots of members. They'll say they just don't, they can't comprehend leaving because then they're like, if you leave, then what? Yeah. And a lot of times when you're fresh, you don't have an answer. You're like, well, I know not that, but yeah, I don't I know, know what that. yet. Right. Yeah, well, and interestingly, that which is kind of our un unofficial model um, came from um, one of the original founding members that helped me set it up. You know, he left well before his wife and she said to him when she was still in the church and he wasn't, well, you're telling me all the stuff you believe, you know, you've got to tell me what you do. You know, she was trying to make a connection. Right. And yeah. you know, she, she's the one that I discussed who then read through the list of books. And by the end of the year, it was kind of like, okay, <laughs> but she brought that to our attention. And she said, yeah, you've got to figure out, you can't just be all about what you're not about. Yes. Now you have to be something. And that might take a lot of personal work, honestly, because you're yep. still reeling from the past too. So, yep. so yeah, that was her motto. And she said, when I, when she first said it, it was literally you've got to tell me, you know, it was almost like this desperate, you know, exchange of you got to let me know so that I know who you are and what you are. And of course he kind of answered back. I don't know. You know, I don't know what I am right now. And so that I think is where, you know, the self-study uh, just reading and, and trying to learn everything you can kind of figure out and you don't have to become anything, but you're going to learn a lot and you're going to know more about what you really want and what you really feel. So we have on our show today, Rebecca Biblioteca, and she was a librarian at BYU and she started the Good Book Club. And I wanted you to just share like a short two minute, like summary of where you're at and how you got where you're at and how long you've been where you're at. <laughs> so right now I would call myself a post-Mormon. Um, I think I was never actually a believing Mormon. I'm just kind of a cultural Mormon the whole way. So I never have a shelf breaking moment. I just kind of eased out and COVID helped me to my relief to say, I'm not going to be doing that anymore. And that's fine. So in my journey out, I started discovering more social media sites where people are post-Mormon. And I started noticing um, that everybody seemed to be reading a lot, almost a re-education process. You know, what about this? And have you heard about this? So I started jumping into those forums, talking about uh, books and things like that. Um, because I think maybe sometimes as Mormons, uh, there's a lot of reading that you do as a Mormon. That's the Mormon material, right? I mean, there's a lot of study and lessons and reading. You may not find yourself reading other things or even be encouraged to read other things of a different point of view. So as I'm on social media, um, other people start commenting. And I had mentioned that, you know, I have my um, master's of library science from BYU. And then I worked at BYU for about 10 years, I think eight to 10 years. And so somebody made a joke um, and said, well, why don't you start the first post-Mormon book club? You know, And then a couple other people jumped on and said, that sounds awesome, you know? And then people started saying, well, I'll help, you know? So I met these total strangers. Somebody said, oh, I can help you with Zoom meetings or I can help correlate book data. And I'm like, what, is this really happening? What? You know? So we did, we got this together. This was in August of 2020. And we just kind of put it out there. Hey, everybody, really tentatively, I'm starting a post-Mormon book club. Does anybody want to jump on? we had like 20 people at our first Zoom meeting. It was so funny. And we decided we would all vote on books. 
And it's funny because a lot of those, I call them the OG members. There's about 15 of them that are still there, have been here for almost two years. And I now consider them very good friends, have even met some in person. Um, this was all, of course, right around COVID. So it, it was always going to be a virtual book club. Um, but now we're running into more people here that have joined in Utah. So we have to have a couple in-person, you know, meetups. But it's just been amazing. I mean, we read books. We have different topics. They're not just Mormon books or post-Mormon books. Uh, they're books about everything, science, technology, uh, history, Mormon history, Bible studies, art, philosophy, religion. And our motto is kind of one of our book club members coined it. Well, now we know what we don't know or believe. Let's figure out what we do know or believe. And that's, that's awesome. by reading good books. That's that's kind of how we look at it. So, but it's been amazing. That's how we, we kind of met you, right? We went yeah. to Thrive and we were at a karaoke night, which was incredibly loud. It was just chaotic. And uh, believe it or not, I'm a little shyer. So I said to my husband, go find me some interesting people to talk to because you know? it was just too chaotic. And I think you and your husband had just walked in the door and he brings them. He's like, this is my, you know, and I'm like, well, hello. <laughs> and we met and we hit it off and, and you and your husband have come to so many different book club meetings and it's just been really fun. And this is how we've encountered lots of people either online or thrive events where we meet people. And we hear all the time, I have been looking for something like this. Mm -hmm. you know? And we have about 200 people on our roles. Of course, we don't have that many that zoom in with us. We meet once a month, virtually every second Sunday, you know, we'll get like 20, 30, some, you know, people that come, but, but everybody has access to, you know, the list of books and they can read on their own and join in as they want with, with, you know, what kind of books grab them. And we've even been able to get authors on with us starting, you know, that's really impressive. I will email them and I'll say, Hey, I've got this little book club or post Mormons. We're trying to reeducate ourselves. You know, I think they probably feel sorry for us, but we've had amazing authors that have come on to talk to us. And just, just, um, this last Sunday, we, we talked about escape from camp 14, which is the story of the only person to be born in a North Korean prison camp and then escape. And it was written by Blaine Harden, who's a Washington post, New York times foreign correspondent. And he goes, of course, I'll talk to you guys, you know, and so we're just, part of me, I'm always like pinching myself. I'm like, am I really sitting here, like moderating a meeting with Blake Harden? I mean, just incredible, you know, and so you would say, what does escape from Camp 14 have to do with Mormonism? Well, it's about somebody who grew up in a very rigid environment. Our, our theme is kind of, we discuss books through the lens of Mormonism, if that makes sense, because that's who we are at this point, you know, cultural and moving past it, but interestingly, we just had our vote on the topics that we want to cover next season because it goes September to September. So there's not the top 12 topics, no Mormon history, no Bible history, no Mormon studies. It's all science, philosophy, consciousness, epistemology. And that tells me that the whole group is sort of shifting. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? They're learning and they're growing they kind of move past that. Yeah. And I think that's even okay for new people that come in because I, I would hope they would find it encouraging to think, mm -hmm. oh, they're just not reading, you know, no man knows my history and bashing. We're not doing that. Not right. at all. It's such a positive experience. And the other reason that we started it is to have something to do on Sunday once a month, at least that just made you feel amazing and mm -hmm. connected. And we talk about the books for about two hours. And then we have another hour of what we call the meet and greet. And I'm stunned that people stay on, but we do, we just talk and talk. We have people that have never been Mormons that are on and they're always staring at us like, what? like they can't believe what they're reading and what they're hearing. They yeah. just, 
you know, but they're such a fun part of the group too. So it, it is absolutely fascinating. And it's been just much more amazing and enriching and incredible than I ever could have imagined. And just the people that we met, it's, it's just amazing. So. I found it so fun to come and hang out with you guys. And you guys are all so welcoming to just anybody. I don't know. I feel like we're weirdos, but you guys are nice to us. <laughs> yeah, like and that's the thing. A lot of people are like, wow, I feel like I found my tribe. I'm like, did I create a tribe? This is incredible. You know? That's awesome. Yeah. And sometimes I look at this, this, you know, these are the books that we've read so far. And I just like every single book I pull out and I go, oh yeah, I remember that month we were studying that. And then we found that, you know, whatever topic or book you kind of live in it for that month. And then just, of course you're on high alert for everything to do with the topic. And you just, people pull things in and we talk about it. We have a Facebook page and throughout the month we talk about it and people post, I found this, or look, I found this about the author, you know, so it's a community in that way. But every single one of these books has an amazing memory with it or a discussion or something that somebody said that I wrote down and remember. So yeah, it's hard to describe almost if you're not part of it, because it's just a book club, right? But yep. it's kind of more than that. It's kind of become more than that if you want it to be. So yeah. And the other thing um, I wanted to add in there is that you had Tova Mervis on and Sarah Edmondson. She came to the book club. Like you actually get a lot of these authors that have wrote these books and I'm, those are so cool. And Sarah like took questions from us and she was so awesome. Um, yeah. So like you, it's amazing you, what you have put together. I think it's a really cool book club. Yeah, it always surprises me. It really is. But everybody's very kind, the authors, when I reach out, you know, and even if they can't have time to Zoom with this, they're always offered to answer questions like via yeah. email or something. And so I'll be able to tell our members, hey, you know, I've got Bart Ehrman, who's willing to answer a few questions for, you know, it's just, it's, it's really amazing how supportive people are, you yeah. know, kind of hearing a little bit about us and what our journey is. And yes. Well, tell me like, uh, or tell the audience how they would join if they are like, wow, this sounds like an awesome club. I want to meet Rebecca. Exactly. How would they join? So um, if you're into social media, um, you could find us on Facebook. We're called The Good Book Club. And our logo, oh, I should have a business card or something here. Do I have? You can send me a screenshot and I can put it. Yeah, I think I'm actually, I'm, yeah. yeah. So listeners, the picture you've been looking at the whole time is their, um, is the the good book club and then and on the bottom I wrote the email that you can email yeah you can request to join um just on Facebook and just kind of it has a couple of membership questions just say oh, I saw you on Marty Lynn's broadcast um the other thing you can do is just send me a, an email to the good book club at mail.com not gmail but mail and say I'm interested in joining and I'll send you some information but basically joining means that you're on our email list or on our Facebook list and, and we'll post what book we're reading and you can see what others are talking about and then we meet every second Sunday of the month at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. And you would just zoom in and we just discuss the books. And we have a, we, because we like to hang out and talk so much, we've added other things. We have a segment that we call the Good Book Club for Post-Mormon Dummies. And this covers things that post-Mormons may not be that great about. So you did an amazing one. These happen in the evening. Um, yours was about having difficult conversations with people or not even difficult, but just conversations with people that might have a different point of view. What's a nice civil way to do that. And I have to say that I use all the time. I'm curious to know what mm -hmm. I learned. From you. I use that all the time. It's such a great way to ask somebody what their point of view is without appearing like you're, you know, yep. trying to, trying to get to them or something. So that was amazing. And that's just kind of like 
we, we used to call them like a fireside. It's something in the evening, you just zoom in. We had one that your husband did called Coffee 101, because I'm sorry, as a post-Mormon, we're idiots, right? <laughs> I make the joke like I go into Starbucks and I'm like, can I have a fettuccine Alfredo? Wait, that's not right. It's, uh, you know, it's... <laughs> He gave an incredible presentation on just the ins and outs of, you know, don't be afraid to ask, what is this? What, you know, and it was amazing. And that's why I call it for dummies. We honestly don't know necessarily everything. And so on our Facebook page, we have a library of all those different meetings. We record those and you have access to that. And I can also email those out to anybody. So, but we just, we have a lot of, you know, a lot of fun, a lot of people. We had a, a book club member give um, one of those book club for dummies on evolutionary psychology. You know, why are we the way we are? Why do we think what we think? It's not Satan in your brain. It's not, not even God. It's just you, evolutionary psychology. So all these kinds of things, I think, just help you make you more comfortable with who you're becoming, right? And that yes. you're okay and you're amazing. So yep. that's kind of the bottom line of that. I was wondering real life meetups. Cause I think that's something that people crave a lot. So how often do you do those? Do you just kind of do them when you are able to, or are they regular? Like, tell me about that or tell me how they've been in the past or I don't know. Yeah. No, that's great. And, and originally we were thinking there probably would be more members in Utah so that we might, we kept saying, oh, when COVID's over, we'll probably try to meet, you know, and again, the we I'm talking about are these random strangers that I met online. Oh dear. Oh. You know, who, who, you know, we started connecting and, and just, you know, kind of created the book club. Um, and, but we, at first everybody was out of state, right? Everybody was out of Utah. So we never even imagined that we'd have an actual meetup. Um, but then we started finding we had more members um, that were coming in in Utah. Our first actual probably like group meetup um, last September, we read Blood of the Prophets by Will Bagley, which is the story of the Mountain Meadows Massacre. So I have an ancestor that was involved in that, you know, federal West Warrant and all that. So um, it was a very emotional book to read, but we actually had Will Bagley. He was going to zoom in with us. And then he passed away. Like, I actually believe I'm one of the last voice messages on his phone. Oh, wow. Because he had left a message for me. And I called him back. I go, hey, Mr. Bagley, we are so excited to have you, you know, to come and, and Zoom with us. And we're going to talk about the Mountain Meadows Massacre. And he was so cute because he had said, okay, send me an actual letter, like a, a written letter in an envelope with a stamp with some of the questions that you might be asking. And he said, I don't want to go down to the site again. And we're like, oh no, Mr. Bagley, you won't have to go to the site. We just want to talk to you about your amazing book, you know, but then he passed away. It was so sad, oh, but what we decided is that we would do a field trip uh, down to the site. Like we went down to St. George area. We had some members from California that flew up to go with us. And um, we had somebody that drove up from um, New Mexico to go with us. And we actually zoomed book club from the site of the Mountain Meadows massacre, you know, talking about this book that we'd read on the day of the anniversary. It was like this incredible vortex, right? I mean, it was boom. So getting to meet people in person was pretty amazing and pretty incredible and um when my husband and i have gone out of state i think is it two times or one time at least that we've been a place where there's been somebody that's in the book club and we've made sure that we go connect with them even if it's way out of the way just because i think it's so important and then people will come to town and we're like oh well let's get together let's meet so we've had these little kind of person by person meet up and we'll gather some together um but then we started to realize, oh, there are more of us that are here in state. So let's start having some formal 
formal things. So we created something that we call the brew and chew, which means that you can, you know, we're going to drink some brew and we're going to chew the fat or chew a dessert. I don't know. It's a funny name. So we've <laughs> so far, our idea is to kind of have that every last Sunday, maybe of the month in just a different location, Salt Lake, you know, Utah County, and whoever wants to come join us does. So we've done it once and it's been really fun. We probably had, gosh, I think we had probably about 12, maybe, I don't know, 12, 15 people there. And it was really fun just to meet in person and to talk. And we don't even necessarily have to talk about books. At this point, we're friends. You know what I mean? So yep. it's more like, how's your life? How are your kids? What's happening? So I'm hoping that we can have more of those you know, in the future. Of course, my husband's like, you can't plan a book club event every weekend. And again, not everybody has to attend every time. <laughs> One of our fun memories is coming up to see you guys, right? We're like, yep. well, those guys and we have another member that's in Logan. Well, let's plan a little weekend trip. You know, um, another, there's another couple in the book club that we're pretty good friends with. Let's plan a trip and we'll swing up there and go to brunch. I mean, how fun was that? That was right? so fun. We sat there for like hours just yeah. talking. It's so fun because I feel like, I don't know, there are post-Mormons and they kind of get together or they do what they do. And then there are post-Mormons who are readers. You know what I mean? So many amazing people, you know, and all different kinds of people. I've been amazed at all the different professions everybody has in the mm. book club. I mean, college professors and scientists, engineers, you know, some yeah. more, we have an artist, a wonderful woman who's an artist who is losing her vision. She's a never Borman. She connected through one of our other members and she comes every time and she goes, I just, you guys are like my best friends. I'm fascinated by you. And she's the one that always seems horrified by some of the things that we're just routinely saying. She's like, no, wait, hold on. What, what in the temple? You know, I mean, it's just yep. funny her reaction. So no, the people and just the, the, the diverse, just kinds of people that they are. That's my favorite part. I just love it. So. Yes, I agree. What's been your favorite book? What's been the one that's been the most, I don't know, memorable or impactful. I don't know. Yeah, see, and that's so interesting because, you know, like I said, we vote on the books. We have categories. I have my book list here from the last two years. And almost without realizing it, we kind of take people on a journey. I don't know, just through thought and retraining your thought process. One of our founding members, one of the ones that initially was saying, hey, I can help with that. Um, his wife was still I mean, she might've been more nuanced, but she was certainly still attending church, but she wanted to come to the book club and see what we were doing. And after the first year, she's like, you really like retrained my brain. You know, just in what we read, for example, the very first book that we all voted on when we read two years ago was Free Will by Sam Harris. And that kind of tells you about your own thought process, right? And why you make the decisions you do and how you arrive where you're at. So we followed that up by, when you asked what one of my favorites, I think I would have to say Sapiens. Sapiens, which some people say is the post-Mormon Bible, is just mind-blowing as far as learning about humanity. Because I think that's one thing that happens when you become more post-Mormon. You just start to have this incredible respect for humanity and everything that's come before and mm. and this book is just amazing. And you read that and you just understand why we are, how we are and what we were before. And it also begged the questions, Hey, do Neanderthals need their temple work done? I mean, you know, <laughs> it just breaks your mind open. So that book was then followed with who wrote the Bible, right? Which is dissecting, where did it really come from? What is it? You know, and you know, your, your mind is just expanding and exploding. And it's incredible. And then we throw some things in 
you know, that are more human interest, you know, because we can't have our mind exploding and expanding. <laughs> it has to be, but even those are expensive. We read Educated by Tara Westover, right? I mean, amazing, raised in a very, I felt like she was raised in a way like I was raised, very Orthodox Mormon, homemade clothes, no TV, eating the food stories. That's how I was raised. You know, early morning history or early Mormon history were our bedtime stories. That was how I was raised. So I really related to the Tara, Tara Westover story. Um, and like you said, we've read Tara uh, Tova Mervis's story, um, Amber Scora, Leaving the Witness. So we try to balance it all out. But you know, every book, every month is my favorite book. Can I just say, <laughs> you know, it really is. But I think just those first initial books that we read at first, where you start to realize, wow, look what is happening. You know, look what is happening to our thought process and what we're learning. And then we said this, we're really onto something, you know, this is amazing. And it's, it's a completely run by the book club members. We take suggestions for books. We, we vote on the categories. It is what they want to read. And like I said, that first year, Mormon studies, Mormon history, Bible history, right up there. So we were reading those kinds of books. Then next year, you know, a little more personal stories, a little more world history, those kinds of things, but still Mormon history. Like we read um, Rough Stone Rolling, of course. And you know, some of those things like that. But now this year, nothing. There's no more. I don't even know if I can call myself a post-Mormon book club. <laughs> Except for that our mission statement definitely says that we explored literature through the catalyst of our shared Mormon culture and the lens of Mormonism, because that always comes in. That's who we are. I can say I'm still a Mormon, right? Yeah. I'm just not a practice. You know, right. it's kind of like being Jewish, right? You are always Jewish. You may not be you know practicing Jew but you're still Jewish and that's how I look at it too so when they say to us well why can't you just leave this alone because it's who I am (laughs) how do I divorce myself from that it is who I am so our discussions definitely through the lens and our shared experiences in Mormonism but with the goal of creating new ideologies new spiritualities if that's the way you want to go I will admit that a lot of our members kind of have arrived at, oh, I'm kind of agnostic now. You know, they just kind of not only deconstructed Mormonism, now they've deconstructed Christianity. But that's okay too. You know, anybody's welcome. Any point of view is welcome. And everybody's very, you know, we're very civil when we all discuss things with with each other and we learn from each other. So yes, your favorite book, I should ask you, you've been in on, on several of our discussions since you joined. I'm trying to think. I think, so I, I, so the reason I brought up Tova and Sarah, because the authors came to the book club and we got to ask them questions, those ones were really cool. Um, I read Tova's book quite a while before she came on. And so it wasn't super fresh, but, um, but I don't know, it's, it's fascinating seeing the parallels with just the human experience. And it, I don't know, I think it kind of helps me realize, like, I, I think, this can happen in a lot of different settings. Just this idea of being trapped where your ideology is your identity. I think that can happen in a lot of places. So it, I don't know. It just helps me, it helps me move on, I guess. I don't know. It just, it's, it's helpful for some reason. <laughs> no, I totally agree. So. I totally agree. And that's what we do. We love the, the human history. And because like I said, we've read, let's say educated, scarred, 
Um, what else? Do, oh, Amber Scora leaving the witness about Jehovah's Witnesses. And then, of course, Escape from Camp 14, all those, the human story. And you can find parallels, you know, yep. that you just and people that overcome, right? And yep. and their moments of realization when they decided to be more authentic to themselves and, and what it took. And Stoic was really good, too. I, I didn't actually read that one. My husband gave me a lot of yep. different uh, quotes and stuff. And I was like, that is cool. Like, just trying to be outside yourself a little bit more and, and doing with what you have, you know, like just that idea is, I don't know. No, and that's it's empowering. Cause I don't it's like very empowering and we feel you can't leave someone hanging. You can't destruct your past ideologies and religion and then say, okay, now you're fine. So we try secular Buddhism, you know, yeah. stoicism. We try to read all these things just to experience these things. Yes. And a lot of us, especially those of us that are older, remember the time I don't, I'm not sure if the church is like this now, but they definitely said, don't look into that stuff. I remember someone telling me, don't do yoga. You know, that's, that's no way. Religion. that don't do yoga. That's you know, crazy. Don't meditate. You know, and one so, of the last Relief Society activities I went to was a yoga class yeah, and it was great. <laughs> it's changed, I'm telling you. And, and I, you know, I've confirmed with this with some other members who are my age and they're like, yeah, that was seen as eastern mysticism don't get involved in that you know so now we're like well wait this is incredible the things that we're learning about secular not that we're going to become a buddhist or a stoic or whatever but look at all these things that are in in those books the stoicism book the suggestion was from my oldest son right he's really espoused that he lives it i mean he's religious about his stoicism but he's like mom i think there'd be some good things in here for your book club for people that are trying to recover from mormonism or at least you know change their ideology so on or st- not step on, move on. <laughs> move on. Yeah, step yeah. on and move on. Step so on. <laughs> this month's book that we'll be discussing on June 12th is God is Not One. Um, the differing, the all the eight major world religions and why their differences matter, right? So as Mormons, you're just very like a tunnel vision, right? You don't know a lot. So this book is interesting because it talks about how each of these religions, everybody thinks, oh, they're just different ways to get to God. They're not. They're each trying to answer a different question. Like Buddhism, they're trying to solve the question of confusion. And their answer, you know, is not God. It's going to be enlightenment and no more confusion, right? Christianity, sin. That's what we're all trying to overcome. And the answer is salvation. So it's so fascinating to read about these different religions. They're actually all asking different questions and arriving at different answers. And so maybe that helps you understand people more and understand different religions better. So, I mean, I'm barely into it. My husband's a little farther into the book, but everyone's going boom again, right? Boom. (laughs) It's just blowing your mind. And one of our members who is a judge is going to be leading the discussion. That's the other fun thing about the book club is that members volunteer to lead discussions. So that means it's not just me rattling on and on every time going, what'd y'all think? It's somebody with a totally different perspective, different point of view running the discussion and leading leading our as we discuss the book and it it makes it so different every time i love that aspect of it so yes suggest a book be ready to be called on and said hey would you like to read it you know i mean signing up months in advance but to me that makes it really fun yes i have a question for you so i have the dynamic where we've kind of stepped away from the church and our parents are still wanting us to be a part of the church but you have a different dynamic where you have older kids and some have stayed or some or just one 
Um, I have my oldest son left at age 15 after very traumatic experiences. And it was my first experience of going, okay, I'm just going to let my child not be in it because it's so damaging to him. I choose him and his mental health over the church. So my other two sons, one's a return missionary. One has been out of the church since he was in primary but recently has returned. Um, he has had two TBM girlfriends in a row and he's now planning on a mission. So yes, one out, two very, very staunchly in now. So that's like a different dynamic than being like the kid that's left. Yeah. And so, yeah, I wanted to talk about that yeah, a little I bit. Have what have you too. struggled with? What yeah, have, no, oh, yes, have you're too. on both ends, huh? <laughs> I'm on both sides of it because my parents who have always lived out of state, I've never been around them, just last week moved into assisted living here and they don't know or understand they're in their 80s. Anybody who leaves the church, they have no idea. So today I went to care center sacrament meeting because it made them happy, right? So yeah, I'm absolutely stuck right here in the middle and I'm just trying to navigate and decide when do I finally become a little more authentic? You know, it's, it's, it's very draining (laughs) is what it is. I mean, my kids know where I stand and they're upset with me. Uh, My parents don't have any idea and I don't think they could even understand it. So, you know, I took my mom out shopping yesterday and we talked all about the beautiful poetry in the Book of Mormon and, and, oh, that looks like a Jaredite writing on that. I can't even describe to you what it's like. So, Hmm. yeah. So, yeah. What other, so, so does that, obviously it's got to be hard on your relationship with your kids. Yeah. It's very hard. Are there parts of the relationship where you're able to like, just ignore that and you can still have like a family night and go do things together and then you're just kind of ignoring that or is it always just in the room? Um, it's always in the room with my middle son. Um, we, we, my husband and I kind of really left while he was on his mission. And so he came back, he's more understanding, you know, it's kind of a don't ask, don't tell with him. He just, kind of stays away from that part of our life. And we're very supportive of anything our kids do at church, completely supportive. But for example, President Nelson's thing last Sunday, right? The big conference event. So I said to my 17 year old, oh, are you, are you going to that? Because I had heard through the grapevine he was gonna go. And he goes, I know what you're trying to do. You know, stop being, he took that as like a, a jab. Do you know what I mean? When I really was just trying to say as a mother, I will support whatever you want to do. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, should I be support? You know, uh, it's just such a hard position to be in. So my middle son is very understanding. Don't ask, don't tell. My younger one wants to tell us nothing. He arranged to be ordained without telling us. I found wow. out from someone else. Yeah. And then I got really upset and I said, I'm coming to your ordination. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, you cannot get me out of this. And, but he didn't want us there. He begrudgingly let us go because in his mind, we, you know, we're mocking it and we're not, we're very supportive and understand. We're, we're still cultural Mormons. All of our neighbors and friends are Mormons. We're in no way hostile. We're very friendly and we're fine. But he just, you know, he's young, he's 17, he's about to graduate. And it is a really dicey place to be in. Having wow. younger kids is one thing, but having older kids is is another. So, and then there's the dynamic between the older brother who's very out and the two younger brothers, you know, and there's butting heads on that too. It just, it's so sad to see, you know, mm-hmm. it just, 
And especially my younger, it's so surprising. I mean, he literally has not gone to church since primary. He would go to seminary off and on, but I just thought, oh, that's social. I mean, here in Utah, you pretty much have to go to seminary, you know, if, if you want to be where your friends are. But when he started dating those girls and getting involved with their families and their families, you know, loved him and encouraged him. And now we're headed for mission papers. It's just I did not see it coming. This and is your question, oldest or your youngest, youngest, I mean. Yeah, my very youngest. The 17-year-old. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. And so it also then begs the question, why aren't we sitting down with them and telling them our points of view? And we're not. I know other parents that are. They will mm-hmm. sit down and say, look, this is why we left. This is the information. These are truth claims we feel aren't, you know, but in our family dynamic, we're just not doing that. So I don't know mm-hmm. why I think we're not in it anymore, but we're just not able to have that conversation. Because at this point, we don't want to alienate them farther. And you're not even sure what they think. I don't know what they think. Hmm. No, no. Wow. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. I do know that. I'll say little things like I'll order an iced tea out to lunch with my sons. And my return missionary son will say, mom, you know, and I'll go, well, Derek, sorry, I don't want to say names. Well, <laughs> middle son, um, you know, do you know the history of the word of wisdom? It's very interesting. So, and I'll launch into it. He goes, I don't want to hear that, you know, doesn't want to hear it. So it's really something we can't talk about. It's just a very interesting dynamic right now. And then with my parents moving back into it, you know, wow. just sit there and smile. It's just, you know, and my parents are living in probably, I'd say a 1970s church, the things that they say and believe they haven't really kept up on things that are current. <laughs> so yeah. Very, you know, it's funny that you say that. I remember going to Institute and being really gung-ho and coming back with some ideas and sharing them with my dad. And my dad was like, uh-uh. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is interesting how like the new platitudes change, you know, like lately as kind of toward the end when we were still going, it was like, well, all about the covenant path. And that's like a totally new phrase. And they say it all the time now. All the time. It's the buzzword. Yeah. So it, it is interesting how their focuses sometimes change. And Right. Well, and in my parents, I think it's a conscious choice. My mom said, what is the church doing now? Everything about it seems so Christian. Like that's a interesting. Bad you know, she grew up kind of in the South. Where they were hit, butting heads. And, and Christian is you know, crazy Christian, evangelical. She goes, look at the Leahona. You know, those pictures are pictures you would see in a Christian magazine, you know? So to her, the, the, the way that the church is moving, you know, friends, not investigators, share the good word instead of the gospel. You know, that's all very Christian stuff, yeah. which is a little bit negative. Yeah, there's a, there's a different uh, spiritual language for sure. Huh? Yeah, there's definitely With other... chosen to use this other one, uh, which I don't think, I think if they attended regular church right now, they probably wouldn't recognize it. Mm-hmm. I think care center church is probably okay for them, but uh, regular church, I don't think they'd really recognize it. So I do feel like I'm in a time warp right now. For example, my mother loves farms, you know, the old Mm. apologetic you know she loves it she saw a deseret book the other day i drove her to to a store and she goes oh i want to go in and see if i can get some new farms books i'm like oh dear you know those have sort of been disallowed. <laughs> you know they're really not you know they're out of favor however you want to even she doesn't know that she doesn't know interesting that. so isn't that strange yes well yeah. is there anything else you like want to share like what is what is that like? Um, what other things do you guys run into that maybe people wouldn't 
think of normally run into. Yeah. Well, and we're a little different because I know a lot of people when they become post Mormons, they announce it. You know, Mm. they definitely tell everybody. We don't. We just are kind of like under the radar. It's not that we're trying to hide anything. If somebody asks us, we'll go. We're just not quite doing anymore. But where we live you know, in the heart of the heart of the heart of Utah, not to get so specific, an anonymous husband says um, that uh, in a bubble, within a bubble, within a bubble, like we're in a very condensed little area. You can probably guess where we are. And so, you know, we just keep on doing what we've always been doing. We just don't happen to be at church you know, and, and so that's it. So we don't make any declarations. We don't say anything, but now we are kind of pulled back into it because with our child, you know, we've had Bishop Rick member, people contact us because he's a minor, he's not 18 yet. And yet they're working with him to go on a mission. So they have to let us know what's going on, you know? So there's that little dynamic. That's a little stressful to me getting a text from the Bishop. I'd like to meet with you. I mean, that gets my heart pounding, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, I've always, the church is so high performance. Um, for me, an introverted extrovert, it's always been very difficult, very difficult. Um, the performance aspect to it and the getting texts, having to come in, having to meet, that's always been very jarring. And now having been away from it for a couple of years, when that happens, I'm just so startled, you know, mm-hmm. just so startled. So yeah, we're kind of back in the system, if you want to call it that a little bit, just because our child is now preparing for a mission. So, wow. so there was another thought I had in there. Um, so have, so your ward members, nobody knows either then like you, you never went and talked to your Bishop on your exit out or anything. No. And, and we kind of, well, and I've been on a slow slide out since I was four years old is what I always tell everybody. Uh I mean, I have a very different story because I never had a a shelf breaking moment. I never believed any of it. I was never a magical thinker. I was raised by very orthodox parents who taught me all of church history. And to me, I was just like, this sounds insane, but I never socially or culturally knew how to get out. You just didn't. You grew Mm -hmm. up, friends were LDS, you were in the system, you went to BYU, you worked at BYU, you got married, you continued. I just never, it wasn't, although I will say that I I started like kind of doing less and less. Like I said, okay, I'll do primary. And then I wouldn't go to sacrament meeting. I'd kind of pretend I'd been at sacrament meeting. You know, I'd show up right after and go, hey, everybody, that was a great talk, you know, Mm -hmm. in there. So I slowly was easing myself out. And then once COVID happened, it was very easy just to step away. I think like a lot of people, oh. so no, there was never any formal anything. In fact, about six months ago, uh, somebody texted me and said, you know, you're still, you're still listed as the primary pianist. Would you like to start up again? And I'm like, how have I not made this clear? I mean, you haven't no. seen years. That's what happened to us too, which is why we actually, that's one of the reasons we resigned, but we still actually participate in some of the ward activities. Yeah. Like if they have, if we get invited and then like, we like our neighbors still, it's a place to go hang out with our neighbors. So we'll still go. And um, yeah, so I, I felt like resigning was like a clear message. Like we are not interested. We are not here anymore, (laughs) but we love you. You guys are great. And that's what we told the Bishop when we went and put our, like our resignation Uh stuff. So yeah, I would do that for that. My parents check family search every day. They would know within minutes that my, I still have my family search account. Yeah. But your records, your records would disappear. And my parents would know instantly that I wasn't on there. Oh, maybe. Yeah. 
I didn't know Isn't that. that interesting. Mm. No, but it is funny because talk about being there and you can still do things with people. We had somebody in the board come up and go, oh, we miss you guys. And we're like, we're right here. We live next door to you. You can we can do anything together. We can do whatever you want, you know, but I actually got that last night. I went out, I went out to dinner with a bunch of ladies in the neighborhood and I hadn't seen the one lives kind of on the other side. So I don't see her as much as the ones right next door. And she was like, Oh, I missed you. And I was like, no, we should do this more often then because I'm not interested in going to church. <laughs> no, I know. In fact, interestingly, this morning we were woken up by pounding on our front door. A neighbor in our cul-de-sac had had a, a flood, a water thing. And so they were pounding on doors. Come help, bring your shop back. You know, we got together with all the neighbors. I swear that's, we haven't seen any of them for like two years, but yeah. everybody was there. Church is later today and everybody was out there cleaning and helping. And I'm like, this is this is wonderful. You know, I don't like to be excluded from that. I right. don't feel like I excluded myself, but, but I think you just do, it just naturally kind of happens And COVID. Of course, everybody lost a little bit of touch, but, sure. and, and I will say that, you know, when you're raising young kids and you probably know this because your kids are still younger that, you know, the community of the ward, the help, the people all working together on the same things. I admit that I enjoyed that and definitely was a huge part of that. And I think then when your kids phase out of that, it does become a little easier to go, huh, you know, what, what is, what is there for me? How does that balance out against the difficulties that I have there, the stresses that I feel there? Um, you know, finally you just go, okay, I'm just not going to be doing that anymore. So. Yeah. Well, how long have the, have you, okay, let's go back to the book club. So um, we'll start with the introduction now, it's, unless there's anything else you want to share with like, no, no. I mean, unless there's anything else you want to ask. So, and, and I'm not mind, even sure what questions I should ask. I know it's different. Like, I know there's probably got to be things there that would be really interesting for listeners to know yeah. what it's like, but I can't think of, like, I just, my kids aren't there yet. I don't, I don't know the right no, questions to no, ask. No, no. And there's a lot more that, that, that I could say, and it, it basically changes day to day, you know, mm -hmm. it really does. And right now talking to me now, you've just hit me in this moment where, oh my gosh, my parents are here. I just had to go to church. I'm hit, you know, so I'm a little, I probably sound like a hot mess to everybody. I'm no. really not, but you know, I've started seeing that my life, a change has happened. I am now going to be, you know, I can't tell my parents I'm not in, I'm going to have to support them and all the things that are doing, I'm going to have to listen to them talk about everything that they talk about, which is old school, scows and I, virtue society, old Mormon. And I'm going to have to listen to that. So I'm a little panicked about that. You know, how mm. I'm going to be able to keep my center and calmness, you know, and then the other side of it, I have it heating up with mission and having to be connected again to the church, you know, and, and maintain these relationships with kids. And I would think almost anybody with older kids who's left the church and they're still in understands exactly what I'm talking about. And it just right. ebbs and flows. But the bottom line is, and I keep saying this to my kids, I love you guys. I support anything you do, anything you do. I'm going to support you, whatever it is that you're doing. And I love you. And I hope you guys can say the same to me because it often seems like they feel, even though they're kids, I say kids, young adults, or they feel like they have a moral high ground. Does that make sense? It's mm -hmm. very strange to see that coming out of your children. You know, oh, you poor parents. What are you doing? You're mm -hmm. 
excited. It really is that kind of poor parents are having this midlife crisis. I don't know what's wrong with them. Oh, they'll figure it out soon, you know? And so I'm just kind of laughing and loving, and I'm not trying to say, you call me when you're 45, you call me, you know, but even that sounds really condescending, but I know they'll have a different life view at some point. So, but when you're our age with kids, you also look at, okay, they're going to get married. They're going to have kids. You're actually almost desperately trying to keep the relationship. If you want to have a relationship with grandkids or you know and then in your mind you're going I did this to my family and I knew better because I was I was never a true believer I should have been more I, don't, I should have done something different mm-hmm. that's how we about it but I didn't I did the best I could at the time yeah so that's pretty much it so yeah. you're very lucky that you and your family have made a transition in an early you know an early time although your kids at school are going to most of their friends are probably going to be LDS. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a lot of that. You'll have to decide how you navigate it. You know, it yeah. makes a big It does. It's, it is interesting. I yeah. one step at a time, right? One step at a time. And, <laughs> and the family relationship should be number one, but sometimes they get a different message at church that, you know, sometimes you have to distance yourself from people that are not good for you. That's the message. Sure. That or my message is I support you in whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to do sometimes when you're, you're actually uncertain that supporting them in something is, is, uh, not good for them. And it it is a tough balance. No, I've I've often wondered about that. Like it, can we find a way to tell them what we're really thinking and say, this is what I think. And I could be wrong. So you're going to have to make the decision and I will support what you decide. I do want you to let you know that I am worried about this or can you right. word it like that? And is there a way that you can word it where you're, you're honest with them because you love them and it doesn't sound like a, but, cause that's, what's hard about this side of it is when they say like, I love you, but I think you're being deceived by Satan or whatever it is. Right. Like you don't want to hear that, but, so you don't want to give that, but either. Right. Exactly. And so, I think it depends on the child too, the yeah. age of the child, you know, cause some won't hear it. Others will have a more honest conversation. Some are very defensive, you know, your own kids. And sure. so, you know, the situation, but sure. yeah, it's definitely something I think, I think many, many people are navigating this kind of thing on both sides, parents, mm-hmm. children. It's just, yeah. You have to decide what works in your particular family. I don't think there's one answer. So right. it's rough. right. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, thing I wanted to discuss is what I like about the book club is it's exploring ideas and trying to figure out what you do think about the world. Like a lot of people, they have all these pieces on the ground. They don't know what they believe anymore. And I like the idea of like sifting through and just trying to find new ideas and trying to figure out what you do think. And um, like you said it earlier, just, we know what we don't believe, but what do we believe? And that is a question from lots of members. They'll say, they just don't, they can't comprehend leaving because then they're like, you leave, then what? Yeah. And a lot of times when you're fresh, you don't have an answer. You're like, well, I know not that, but yeah, I don't I know, know what yet. Right. Yeah. Well, and interestingly that which is kind of our un- unofficial motto um, came from um, one of the original founding members that helped me set it up. You know, he left well before his wife and she said to him when she was still in the church and he wasn't, well, 
you're telling me all the stuff you believe, you know, you've got to tell me what you do. You know, she was trying to make a connection. Right. And yeah. you know, she, she's the one that I discussed who then read through the list of books. And by the end of the year, it was kind of like, okay, <laughs> but she brought that to our attention. And she said, yeah, you've got to figure out, you can't just be all about what you're not about. Yes. Now you have to be something. And that might take a lot of personal work, honestly, because you're yep. still reeling from the past too. So, yep. so yeah, that was her motto. And she said, when I, when she first said it, it was literally you've got to tell me, you know, it was almost like this desperate, you know, exchange of you got to let me know so that I know who you are and what you are. And of course he kind of answered back. I don't know. You know, I don't know what I am right now. And so that I think is where, you know, the self-study uh, just reading and, and trying to learn everything you can kind of figure out and you don't have to become anything, but you're going to learn a lot and you're going to know more about what you really want and what you really feel. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, that's cool. Um, I don't know. Let's maybe ask a question like that. So what, where do you derive your meaning in life? Like, where do you feel the most meaning when you're going question. throughout your day? No, that's a great question. And I think when people say, well, what are you now? You know, people say that again, trying to like, and I say, okay, I'm, I'm probably a secular humanist. I feel that I, I just have just mad respect for humanity. I mean, every, in the past, it's almost like uh, anything that happens, well, God, cause that to happen, you know, God led me to do that, you know, and that's fine if you want to believe that, but I believe that human beings are incredible and the things that we've done, it, you know, it's just amazing. So I'm extremely delighted by the human race. I will say that. So my new religion is simply humanity that yeah. everything we can do and have accomplished. And I think you just see things in a different way. You really do. You just, you appreciate people more. I think you appreciate nature more. Uh, one of our books that we're reading, one of our categories everybody wanted to read about was geology. It's funny. Have you noticed this, that people, when they become post-Mormons, they're like, I've suddenly discovered outside, yes. right? I've discovered the world. I feel, I don't know, but I think they're getting these feelings that they were led to believe they could only have in church, right? These elevated emotions. You can get that emotion mm -hmm. by going on a hike and standing on a ledge and looking out and you're just like, mm -hmm. oh, and that makes you feel, somebody said to me once, well, don't you feel small now that you don't believe in, you know, the Mormon church or the Mormon guy? I'm like, I feel bigger than ever because I'm part of this. I'm a human being. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. Sounds really corny. I probably can't explain it, but but that's huh. where my philosophy is leading me right now. So and it, cool. it makes me really happy. Yeah. Do you mind sharing some of those aha moments or those moments that you've had? <laughs> well, let me see. Well, you know, I'll share one moment uh, when I was still um, attending church in the church. The moment where I realized that I think I did not really. I always suspected I didn't believe in a higher power or a god or anything. But this was a moment where my oldest son was in primary children's hospital and he was, it was a life-threatening situation. And I was out in the lobby and family members were there and they were all praying to God, to Mormon God. And I sat there and I go, okay, this is pedal to the metal. This is going to tell me what I really think. What am I, what am I doing right now? What do I think? Am I pleading with Mormon God? that my child will be okay, because this would be the moment, you know, this is what you fall back on in these just life or death situations. And I realized I'm not, I'm really thinking positively and hopefully that the doctors will be able to do what they're going to do. And I'm hoping that my little son, you know, is going to be strong and he's going to be, you know, there was no God anywhere in it. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. And if that's a moment where you're going to pray to a God, if there's yep. a God, if you really think there is, but I couldn't, 
I couldn't do it. it but I still felt good about what I was doing. I felt positive. I, people say, put it out to the universe. You know, that sounds very, you know, whatever. Um, but that's basically what I did. I did put it out to the universe, whatever was there, humanity, you know, connection, energy, whatever it was, I put it out there and I had those thoughts. And so to me, that was just as, as a sincere prayer. I mean, it wasn't a prayer. It was a thought as what everybody else was doing. And that kind of made me realize, wow, I do not believe in a Supreme being. <laughs> I better, hmm, look at this a little bit, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of an aha moment realizing yes. where my head really was a forced moment because of course I'd entertained it before I'd thought about it, but at that moment you, you went really what you think. down to the bottom, down to the bottom. That's yep. it. So, and I never forgot that. And I know a lot of people would say, wasn't that terrifying? Aren't you terrified? That's the other thing that's so funny. Aren't you terrified? I'm like, I'm not terrified. Not at all. You know, it's weird, right? Isn't it weird? It's yes. really I always felt like a Mormon death was very terrifying. I'd die. There'd be people I didn't know before. I'd have to know codes and signals. I'd have to be judged. I'd have to sit there in front of people. I'd have to, is my husband already up there? Is he married to a whole bunch of other people? What, I mean, to me, it was absolutely horrifying. Now, not horrifying. Who knows what's going to happen? I don't know. And who knows? That, and to me, that's very comforting. So I do kind of laugh at that. That's just my perspective. I know there are different points. I had a heard about death or anything like that, you know, and also much more determined to live life and hold on to memories now, you know what I mean? And create yes. memories now, much more. So, because I think a lot of times people, for example, I had an uncle that passed away very suddenly. It was very devastating to the family, but everyone goes, you know what? Instantly we know he's doing, he's doing missionary work right now. He's fine. Like, I was grieving. Was anyone else grieving? I don't know because they all thought he was doing missionary work, but he's in my mind, he's not, mm -hmm. he's, you know, so let me celebrate him, remember him in his life. I don't want to create this new identity for him as this person on the other side doing these things, because I don't know whether that's real or not. So right. to me, it makes me appreciate people, relationships, everything much more now in the moment. Sure. And I, I what, what do you think? I mean, is that I had, well, I had a, a moment kind of like that where you think, oh, I must be scared because I don't know what happens when we die. And I just, when I realized the ramifications as, as I was really thinking about, okay, what, when I let myself go there, right? And I was like, well, I don't think I believe in an afterlife. And it, it's really hard to describe because I don't, I don't have a lot of spiritual moments. Like I don't have a lot of those. I never did. Like I would pray. I never did either ever. Yeah. I knew, never knew what anyone was talking about. Yeah, neither did I. Testimony meeting. Yes. Never knew anything. Yeah. yeah. In my head, I was like, the, the spirit must talk to me through my thoughts. That's the only way that I can think of it because that's the only thing I was experiencing that wasn't, uh, you know, like I, that's how I assumed it worked. But I had this moment when I, when I realized I don't believe in an afterlife, I got this like overwhelming. It was, it was a, it was a feeling of, I wouldn't, I don't know really how to describe it. There was definitely like a physical sensation. And I had this like realization, like if this life is all I've got, I need to get my act together like mm -hmm. now. And yeah. I had this huge amount of love for people and strangers. It was very strange because yeah. I was still going to church and I am kind of an introvert um, as far as like if who I'm going to sit by at church or something, right? And I'm, I always hope someone will come sit by me because I, <laughs> I don't know how to go sit next to somebody else. But I did not. I was like, I wanted to make sure everyone in that room was okay. And I just, I had this huge love for people 
that were within five feet of me, basically like going to the grocery store. I remember seeing people and I just wished I could hug them. Like it was just a weird, weird thing. And I was like, this is not what I expected when I realized I, if, if I ever thought that I didn't believe in an afterlife, I didn't expect that. So it was a very strange, it was a very strange, um, experience. So I, it's, it's fascinating to me because I, I do fall back on that. Cause it's interesting. Cause those, those experiences do kind of fade, but then you can remember them. It was, it was impactful, like it impacted me for like a couple of weeks straight where I just, I don't know. No, so, I, I, that's so interesting that so much parallel parallels mine. I mean, yeah. you really do. You just, that's what I mean when I say you love humanity. Yeah. <laughs> You just appreciate it so much and you yeah. appreciate people for who they are, where they are right now. It's yeah. just incredible. So yep. I don't know. I don't know what the phenomenon is called, but it's uh, it is interesting, real. isn't it? Very real. Yeah. So, well, anyway, I appreciate, I appreciate if I'm, I'm glad we could finally do yeah. an interview. I wanted to share the good book club with people if they are interested. Um, John Delin said something at Thrive. I don't know if you were out in the hallway. Maybe you didn't hear it, but he was talking about pods and how it, he feels like that's where a lot of healing comes from is you find your pod, you find some people that you have in common and you, you make some friendships and you leave the Mormon stuff behind. And and I, I find a lot of truth to that, like, cause it's like when you're in the weeds of all that stuff, it just doesn't feel good. That's that's, and that, it's interesting. All the books are moving away from the Mormon topic, you know? And so, and it's just, like you said, it's us trying to figure out what we do believe and not focus so much on what we don't believe and trying to learn to love our friends and family that are still, you know, like just this growing up process is not always easy. And it's nice to have good friends that are on your side, trying to help you along. And anyways, so I, yeah, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed being a part of the book club and I've enjoyed, um, talking to you. So thank you for coming on. Yeah, I love it too. I'm so glad that when I said to my husband at that karaoke party, go find me someone to talk to, like, <laughs> you know, see now if we were in the church, we would say he was inspired. I would say, I don't know, some threads of energy and humanity That's just right. kind of brought us together, you know, yes. and it worked out. It was amazing. And we all clicked instantly, which was really fun. So, yep. yep. Well, any last thoughts? Um, I would just tell everybody, you know, you don't have to join a book club to start on a path of just reading and exploring. And sometimes that is a way out. I know sometimes out of like yourself, kind of, you can get stuck and kind of wallow I think as you're deconstructing things and that's a very real phase I think of leaving Mormonism I mean it is you have and there's to no shame in it there's no shame in it there's no shame in it but I feel at some point it's really good to just start breaking yourself open and trying to move forward as you can and you'll feel more and more peace I think just as you read and you'll kind of put the universe right in your head if that makes sense everything just kind of starts to come together and I think you will start finding other people that think along the same lines as you start discussions with people. That's the other fun thing is that book club members report back to me that, wow, I was talking about the book and I found out this with this other, it helps you make these connections. You know, what we're reading are very interesting things. So, so if you can't join a book club, just start doing some self-study. I mean, it takes you out of things and, and really helps impact your journey and where you're going forward. So it makes you happy. I agree. Focusing on your life and what's happening in everyday life is very um fulfilling and it helps you get more ideas of where to go next and then you can act on those ideas and you can just kind of gradually move on 
hopefully. <laughs> yeah, self-care. That's what I like so much about your husband, the coffee thing. He talked about the ritual of preparing coffee. And, you know, we all need those little rituals too, whatever it is, just to take a moment where you're like, okay, I'm me, I'm with me, I'm doing this. And that's also part of moving on and, and, and just, you know, just becoming happy, I think. So there's a lot yes. of things. So this is where Rebecca has gone, you know, that talk, um, where will you go? That's the name of the podcast, right? So where will you go? This is where Rebecca went. <laughs> I went Anyways. still going, huh? yes. right? We're all still going. There's never any end destination, right? Where we say, oh, I'm finally here, right? It's always what's next. So. Yep. And it's exciting. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Have a good rest of your second Saturday. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bye. Bye.